Rez returned to the Logan's run on one of the speeder bikes. As the ramp lowered, he was startled to see the snarling face of a mutant hound growling and drooling, prepared to pounce. It took Rez a moment to remember that this was Huff's dog, Indiana. He had been training the animal ever since he had knocked it unconscious when they first arrived at the Seth Temple. It had taken Huff this long to get him to a point where they could start using him as a guard dog. The player also forgot that he had him until he saw it on his character sheet. Easy there, big fella, Rez said. Hearing the voice of someone who fed him, Indiana backed off and allowed Rez to enter. As Rez strolled on, he told the mutant dog what his master was up to. He and the others are going into that big black spire thing. They're supposed to be keeping all the info about life seed in there. Indiana barked and whined. Rez answered, Not to worry. They've got the head of life seed with them. They're forcing him to help them get inside. He should be able to get them to the console that has all the information. How they proceed from there, I don't know exactly. But they'll figure something out. Rez dumped chunks of meat into the dog bowl and Indiana voraciously chowed it down. That's where we come in, Rez continued. We need to be ready to swoop in if things go bad. R4W9 is supposed to tell me if that happens. Indiana lifted his head. A bloody grin plastered across its mutant face. Rez was still disturbed by it, but he faked a confident grin as best he could. Welcome to Star Wars Age of Rebellion. This is an RPG Storytime presentation of a campaign played over several years utilizing all three Star Wars role-playing books by Fantasy Flight Games. This is a grand campaign where everything you hear was decided by players in an epic-scale role-playing and strategy game, then turned into this production that tells the story one chapter at a time with occasional explanations of game mechanics. The episodes are shorter than most gaming podcasts because each session is summarized in the form of a story much like an audiobook. It begins with a small band of agents played by a few role players. As the rebel cell grows, more players are brought in to take on the roles of other operatives heading out on other missions and taking part in various battles. Every choice affects the direction of the story, both for the characters on the mission and for the overall story arc. And the ultimate fate of the Juvex and Senex sectors is up to them. The obsidian spire stretched high above into the night sky. Slices of light revealed where work crews were filling sections of the building and where repulsory supply vehicles could deliver their goods directly to the upper levels. So I can get them into the tower. That's not a problem. Can they get me out? Everyone seems worried, but I've got a plan. The rebel group entered the lobby with Agent Dawes leading. Praxis, who still wore his Imperial uniform, walked beside him, and their droid, who they had picked up from the hotel and who was the same model the Empire typically used, took the other side. Huff marched directly behind Dawes, occasionally poking him in the back with his blaster to remind Dawes it was there. Valina and Kyle walked on either side of Huff to hide the pistol from the view of the stormtroopers that lined each side of the chamber. This was the true test of this idea, to see if Dawes would take a shot in the back for the Empire. He did not, and they passed a reception desk where an officer demanded the IDs of the group. Doss eyed the woman impatiently. They are escorting me to the headquarters, he said sharply, a performance that impressed Praxis. He didn't know that his old boss had it in him. Valina was suspicious. This was all too easy, and Doss was too eager to help them. He had not been so easy when they had forced him into the land speeder, and while they had formulated the plan in an alleyway. He had been belligerent, insisting every plan of theirs was doomed to fail. 
Hoff had shut him up by suggesting that they shoot him and leave his corpse right there. Kyle had tried to get information directly out of Dawes using his power, but Dawes' will was strong, and Praxis said that there would be even more information within the databanks than Dawes even knew anyway. So they had determined to go in the front door, forcing Dawes to get them through security, a decision they were all now considering regretting as the security officer looked them over. Those three aren't in uniform, she said. Dawes did not look like he had an answer to that, or that he preferred not to have one. Kyle took over, saying, We don't need to have uniforms. We are his honored guests. The air was still for a moment while the security commander stared at him. Then she said, Since you're his honored guests, you don't need uniforms. Go on through. Huff pressed the blaster into Dawes's back and he headed toward the elevator. There he produced a key card that he waved in front of the panel. Again, they had to wait, this time for the elevator to arrive. Felina closed her eyes and watched around them through the force. No one was readying a weapon. She looked inside the elevator that was coming. No one was inside. She tried to look inside Das's mind, but she was just not powerful enough. The door slid open and Das marched inside, followed quickly by Huff, who got behind him again as he turned to look toward the front. The others gathered around them to again hide Huff's blaster. They were up 34 floors when the elevator slowed. The doors slid open to reveal a team of intimidating-looking troopers clad in black armor. For a tense moment, they stood there in a line, like a firing squad. Then, seeing that no one was getting out, they got in. It became very cramped in the lift. Huff had to resist accidentally pulling the trigger of his heavy blaster as Dawes was pressed into it. The troopers spoke to each other in a strange language no one knew, which sounded like static in a speaker. About a dozen floors up, the lift doors opened again and the troopers got out. When the doors closed again, everyone sighed with relief, including Dawes. What were those things? Kyle asked. Death troopers, Praxis said. They'll shoot right through you, boy, and never give you a second thought, Dawes said proudly. Huff reminded him of the blaster again. The elevator reached the 55th floor and the doors slid open to reveal an empty corridor. The faster you show us to the headquarters, the faster we'll get this done, Huff said. Das stepped confidently off the lift as though nothing was wrong. The hour was late, so few people were about, and half the lights were out. They arrived at the headquarters having only passed a pair of engineers. Das again had to flash his keycard to open the door, revealing a brightly lit headquarters with a moderate number of engineers and officers at work. There were even a couple stormtrooper guards who seemed to think they had the cushiest job in the Empire. An officer noticed Dawes and snapped to attention. Others followed suit. Dawes paused a moment, considering what to do. Huff cleared his throat behind him, and Dawes said, Back to work. The officers did as he said, and the headquarters returned to normal. Practice pointed out a nearby computer terminal and said, This one should suffice, don't you think? He led the party in that direction. The group crowded around him, again covering Huff's pistol. R4W9 plugged into the computer so it could download everything that Dawes opened up. He hesitated before the controls. Huff pressed the barrel into his back, and Dawes sighed, then proceeded to get into the system with his passwords. Several eyes turned toward the group, suspicious of those out of uniform. It was unusual for Dawes ever to have guests with him, unheard of for him to associate with commoners. Valina could feel the unease of the room. Praxis looked around it searching for someone he could dress down for not focusing on their work. Huff, too, looked around to see if there was anyone he would need to target once they had what they needed. 
That was when Doss made his move. Continuing to press buttons, he sounded like he was still digging into his files, but he had broken into the security measures. He finished with the strike of a button, and an alarm sounded. Before Huff could react, Dawes pushed him away and sprinted for cover. Huff turned his gun on him and followed, but he saw several weapons rise in the hands of those who had been growing suspicious, so he dove for cover from them. The others also went for cover just as blaster fire came at them. R4W9 whistled at Praxis. He didn't understand it exactly, but he could tell what it was trying to tell him. He shouted to the others that he would need to hack into the computer system to download what they had come for into the droid. We'll cover you, Huff shouted, and he spread shots all across the room with both blasters. Kyle fired a couple shots from behind cover, and Valina lit her lightsaber and leaped across to the next console, pulling the attention toward her. Praxis crouched up to the console and began slicing through it. He found that Dawes had left it near the files that they were looking for, and it didn't take much effort to find them. That and the player made an incredible roll, so it all began downloading into R4W9. Huff spotted Doss making his way toward the opposite exit. He wanted to fire into his back, but he had to choose between that and continuing to cover himself and his team, so he chose the latter, and the head of Life Seed escaped. Valina was herding more of them in that direction, and the stormtroopers cut her off. Huff shot them down from his position, but then more entered through the doorway Doss had gone out. How much longer? he shouted. Almost there, Praxis answered. Valina started toward the stormtroopers. Behind her, the door they had entered through opened. Kyle saw they were death troopers. He turned on his lightsaber and leaped at the first one, slicing through its armor. Then he punched the door shut and shot the controls with his blaster. Guess we're going out this way, Huff shouted as he shot down a couple stormtroopers. One of them tagged him in the shoulder in return. Just then, R4W9 whistled with the light and unplugged from the computer. Finished, Praxis exclaimed. Kyle heard the death troopers blasting away at the door. We better hurry he said. Huff shook off the pain of his shoulder, drew in a breath, and he and Valina charged the remaining stormtroopers. Praxis and the droid moved behind them. Kyle covered their backs. The opposite door exploded, causing him to fly back. Death troopers were firing immediately, one of them hitting Kyle. Valina grabbed him and pulled him along, closing the door behind them as they left the headquarters. Kyle found he could still stumble, and they followed the others down the winding corridors. At the front, Huff kept his blaster forward as he sought Doss. There were a lot of doorways and alternate routes, and he knew he didn't have the time to search them all, so he looked for a way to escape. Praxis noticed the stairway, and he reminded the others that there was a construction zone a few floors down. There might be a way to escape that way, he said. Huff led the way while Praxis carried the droid and Valina helped Kyle. Two floors down, Huff indeed spotted a doorway through which he could see a long platform filled with containers and construction equipment. Remembering the transport vehicles brought this equipment and personnel up to this floor, he ran through in hopes to find one parked. The others followed. All around them, the wind had picked up, swirling dust and waving loose pieces of tarp. Beyond the end of the landing platform, the sun was rising, casting a red hue over the skyline. It reflected over a transport vehicle at the end of the platform. That was how they could escape. But just as they started for it, Two figures appeared out of the swirling dust and wavering tarps on each side of them. Their black robes fluttered in the wind. Each of them held a short metal rod. A third one rose up the lift and stepped onto the platform. She wore white and red war paint and dressed in bright robes. You're going nowhere, Jedi lovers, she said. Your puny excuse for a rebellion is... Huff fired. The speaker lit her lightsaber just in time, deflecting the shot. 
The two on the ends lit their light whips. Huff was about to fire again, but Valina approached her, saying, I've got this one. Huff turned his attention on the one to the right, and Kyle fired at the one on the left. The cloaked warriors swung their whips, catching the blaster bolts in the air and soaking them up, causing their whips to glow a little brighter. They whipped back toward the rebels, blaster bolts firing out of their whips toward them, causing the rebels to dive for cover. Huff and the droid toward one, Praxis and Kyle toward the other. As Valina approached, the leader smiled greedily and made her stance. Valina charged and swung. Their blades bounced off of one another, each striking and parrying in turn. Praxis fired several shots, first toward the man's left, then toward his right, attempting to get him to defend the wrong direction, but the man's skill with the whip was too great, and he soaked them all in. Huff, too, was having trouble getting through the whip wall, so he reached into his utility belt and grabbed one of his two grenades. He threw it toward the servitor, but the man reached out his empty hand, and the grenade stopped in midair. He then waved his hand forward, and the grenade flew at Huff. He ran for other cover, as did the droid, but the grenade went off before it could make it, and R4 went flying toward the door, denting and sparking. Valina and the leader were still parrying one another's blows, evenly matched. The blast behind her woke Valina up to the urgency, and she went on the offensive, beating at the woman's blade hard enough to knock her back, directly assaulting the lightsaber to knock it out of the way, or its wielder to the ground. Praxis was appalled at what had happened to the droid. It was carrying inside it the whole point of why they had come here. All of them were now desperate to get out, so he leaned up over the crate and fired again. It only fed the whip, which was now glowing so bright it was hard to look at. The man whipped toward him again and Praxis took cover. Suddenly the cover flew away, off to the side. The servitor was holding out his other hand, having swept away the cover with the use of the force. He then whipped toward Praxis. The blaster bolt that came out hit Praxis and knocked him back. The servitor then pulled the whip back, about to bring down the killing blow. But then Kyle flew out from seemingly nowhere, jabbing and swinging his lightsaber. The man with the whip pulled back. Though knocked about, R4W9 was not destroyed, and it did a quick diagnostic on itself and its surroundings. It could still move, and the information was still within its memory banks. But out the door it spotted something far more alarming. Death troopers coming down the stairs and heading toward them. R4W9 pushed itself up and moved to the door. It closed and locked it. But as they had seen upstairs, this would only hold them off temporarily. R4W9 sounded an alarm, but the others did not heed it. Huff was readying another grenade. Gasping for air on the ground, Praxis saw what he was doing. Not a good idea, he shouted, trying to remind him of what had happened last time. Trust me, Huff said, priming the grenade. He threw it. The servitor lifted his hand and the grenade froze in the air above him. His hand twitched to send it back. But Huff stood and shot the grenade in the air. It exploded, blasting the servitor into pieces. The blast distracted the red servitor, and Valina increased the intensity of her swings. She kicked, and the woman fell back. Valina followed it up with a swing, which was only parried at the last moment. Kyle, meanwhile, was ducking under the swings of the whip as he stayed in the face of his target. The servitor could not get a good blow since his weapon required a couple of feet of distance, and Kyle would not give it to him. He turned off his own lightsaber and dodged and weaved until he was dead center on the man, and there he turned his saber back on. Its blade sliced right through the servitor's midsection. The woman in red was distressed for only a moment as she parried the last of a series of Felina's blows. A smile grew across her face, as if to say it was her turn. And then she counterattacked, first with a mid-slice, then with an uppercut, then with a twirl around to the side. Each blow showed Valina that the woman had not begun to strain herself until now. Each hit now knocked Valina back. She tried to kick, 
but the woman swiped away her leg with her hand and used it to move Valina just where she wanted her. Her saber came down hard and Valina defended it, but the heat singed her face. The brightness of the flames burned her eyes and she could barely see as the enemy knocked her saber to the side, then swung swiftly down on her arm, cutting it at the wrist. Felina fell to her knees before her. Clutching her bleeding arm, she looked like she was praying or begging for mercy. With no energy left, she crumpled to the floor. The red servitor raised her saber above her with both hands. Its end pointed directly down at Felina's head to give the coup de grace. Then a flurry of shots flew at her from out of nowhere. Huff was marching steadily forward, firing relentlessly with both heavy blasters. The lead servitor had to use all of her energy to block the shots. Each hit pressed her back, and she gave ground. He did not let up, continuing to fire as quickly as his fingers could move as he approached the helpless form of his friend on the ground. The servitor reached the edge of the platform, then leaped off the edge. Kyle ran to see where she had gone, and found she had landed on a balcony and escaped inside. Huff did not concern himself with that now. He holstered his weapons and kneeled down to Valina. Rolling her over, he could see that she was breathing, but unconscious. The saber had cauterized the wound, so she wasn't bleeding, but she was nonetheless fading, muttering something incoherently. R4W9 was racing toward them, squealing away. Behind it, the doorway exploded. Kyle and Praxis stumbled to cover, but Huff did not. He was not going to leave Valina. As the smoke cleared, the dark forms of the death troopers took shape. Contrasted among them was Agent Dawes in his bright white uniform. The tables had turned, and he had them. Ready your weapons and aim, he said. They did. It was like a firing squad. Huff scowled at them, a last look of defiance. Just as Dawes began to say fire, a heavy blast of cannon shots landed among them. Looking up, the Logan's Run was floating at the opening, the rising sun glowing behind it. Its cannons fired again, blowing apart the ground on which the death troopers were standing. Dawes was already running, disappearing behind the walls to take cover. Huff's mutant dog was at the open landing ramp howling to the rebels. Come on! Kyle shouted, running toward the ship. Huff picked up Valina and carried her. Ahead of him, Praxis lifted the droid and handed it to Kyle, who took it inside. Then Praxis climbed in as well. They took Valina from Huff, who then climbed aboard himself. As they did this, an e-web was able to set up unnoticed among the rubble. As Rez began to pull out, the e-web fired, hitting the ship in a vulnerable spot. Rez lost lateral control, and the ship began to fall. Everyone began to tumble about the corridor. Rez tried to regain control, but he couldn't get enough power. R4 shot a grappling hook into the power station of main engineering and pulled itself toward it. It plugged itself in, reworked some systems to bypass the damaged ones, and called up to Rez. He found he had control once again, and he pulled up just before hitting the ground, then flew away into the sunrise. Somewhere through the system, he heard his droid whistling with joy. Huff had grabbed onto the bulkhead and was holding Valina firmly to him. Now he could lay her on the floor and see what he could do to stabilize her. There wasn't much. Her breathing had become erratic, and her body was convulsing. He didn't know what to do. She was still muttering random words, so he listened to her. Asteroid. Jarn. Ruins. Relic. Fresh! Get us back to the base! He shouted up to the cockpit. She needs medical treatment now! On it, Rez responded. And he called ahead to the base while the ship calculated the jump to hyperspace. This is Samoom Station. Report your status, came the voice on the other end through a layer of static. 
Rez told them the situation and that they would be coming in hot, so please have the medical bay ready. Roger, we will have that ready for you. Samoom station out. Rez turned off the comm and watched the calculation countdown as though willing it to go faster. It was nearly done when Praxis reached forward and turned it off. What are you doing? Rez shouted. That wasn't the rebel base, Praxis said. What you heard, that's the way the Imperials pick up. Why aren't we at light speed? Huff shouted from the hall. Rez didn't answer him. Instead, he said, If the Imperials are answering the comms, that means... He trailed off. Praxis finished for him. It means the Imperials have taken the base. Rez's blood froze. Then he said, We need to call one of the other. If you call anyone right now, the Empire will be listening in. If they took the base, they took any communication frequencies. Huff appeared at the entrance of the cockpit. We need to be on our way. Valina doesn't have... The Empire has taken Samoom, Praxis said. Huff paused for only a moment in shock, but he didn't have the luxury of lingering. We have to get her to a hospital then. Any hospital. If the Empire has enough control in the sector now to find our base, they probably have all the houses monitored, Praxis said. There's nowhere we can go that's safe. Well, we're going to have to take our chances then, Huff said. What's closest? There's only one place we can turn, Rez said, punching in new coordinates. It wasn't far from Samoom, so the calculations didn't take long. They may not have what we need. They may even blow us out of the sky, but it's the only chance we've got. As everyone strapped themselves in, he pulled the lever. The stars grew into long lines, and the Logan's Run slipped into hyperspace. This has been an RPG Storytime presentation of Age of Rebellion. Join us next week to hear what happens next. If you'd like to see a visualization of this episode, check out our YouTube channel. The link is in the description. If you'd like to see other things written by the author of this show, you can also find that in the description. Happy gaming, everybody!